Love Talk Radio. Raff Show, giving you weekly sports analysis, opinions, and discussion. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Jay Raff. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 159th episode of the Joe Mays and Jay Raff Show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, alongside of me, co-host Jay Raff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back after kind of, you know, a break for uh, the holidays. Uh, plenty to talk about, and, uh, you know, we're kind of keeping up to date on, on what's going on right now and, and the things that have already happened this weekend and since our last show. So uh, plenty to talk about, and hopefully um, we'll be able to kind of give you our take on, on a lot of those events. Yeah, as usual, as is the case here, um, more often than not, we are not broadcasting live because of the wonder that is technology. And uh, I no doubt place all the blame of Comcast and the bane of my existence with them. Your um, favorite. Not going to go get into corporations here, but um, <laughs> that's for my other show that I do is uh, government over regulation. Governmented and, by and Joey Mays. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, yeah. I, I'll start a new one. Um, but, yeah, I hate government and corporations. So, um, I'm all for it. Both of those are just completely destroying. <laughs> it's destroying my life. And uh, – but anyways, joking aside, you know, well, quasi-joking, <laughs> um, here we are to talk about sports. We'll try to get this up on, I guess, YouTube. I think I can upload it, too, because, of course, Ustream doesn't want me to upload a file that I'm recording through their own broadcasting software. No, if I record it through them, I still can't upload it because I'm not paying them. But we can broadcast live through them. But, of course, of course, right now, either them or Comcast are screwing us over in that regard. So we'll try to upload this probably to YouTube and, and put out a link there so you can watch the episode. Of course, if you don't want to do that, and I know saying this right now when you can't even hear it is pointless, but for my sake, we have an archive on iTunes or through Blog Talk Radio of just the audio, so you can catch all of the shows uh, through iTunes, podcasts, or through the Blog Talk Radio web uh, site. So tonight, episode 159 is still football all the time, you know, pretty much for the next month. And then we'll move on to other topics. We'll probably take some requests. We'll move on to uh, hockey, baseball, maybe do some best of stuff that we like to do in the spring and early summer. Um, but first up, I think we should um, just maybe take a moment to recognize a sports personality that unfortunately uh, passed away this morning after a long battle with cancer. Um, most of you probably are aware that ESPN anchor Stuart Scott um, had been fighting a um, a battle with uh, the disease for, I believe, a little over six and a half yeah, years yeah. or six plus years. He actually was diagnosed um, it was with during, it in uh, right after Monday night October '07. Yeah. It was actually uh, he went in for an emergency appendectomy while he was covering the. Dolphins at Char or excuse me, Dolphins at Steelers Monday night right. game where the ground was so saturated that punts literally stopped right. in their track. Um, but 
during that, that appendectomy and the surgery, they found a malignant uh, tumor that they, they removed and it continued to spread. He went in and out of remission, I think twice, and it mm -hmm. came back, um, I believe, about a year ago. I think it was, or about two years ago. I think it was January 2013. I think he would finally, the last time it reappeared. Um, so he's been fighting in the battle for a while, and unfortunately, um, he passed away, uh, I think, this morning, yeah. uh, overnight. And um, it, is, it seems that his uh, ESPN compatriots knew what was coming because they've been um, running tributes to him on their variety of networks, including a full 15-minute um, uninterrupted uh, segment that has people like Scott Van Pelt, who I right. saw emotionally. Right, and a lot of them kind of had already started to refer to how he was, you know, and, and so that would lead you to believe that in the last few days they had kind of uh, – been made aware um, of of kind of how the situation was going to unfold, and um, you know, kudos to them for being able to put it together. And you know, I I couldn't help but kind of keep scrolling through and just watching. And you know, you see this, you don't see it a lot. I, I don't mean it that way, but like when when somebody you know who's in the public light, you know, kind of passes away. But everyone who is kind of all the sports figures, you know. So, when someone in the media uh, kind of, you know, um, when something happens, you, you'll often see a lot of the media uh, people speak out and maybe someone from a specific team. Um, but it was kind of all over the place. You had um, all kinds of people reaching out, a couple interesting ones, um, you know, that we, we've mentioned on the show, not a ton before, but we've kind of been, you know, we, we discussed them a little bit. Uh, but one of the interesting ones I thought was Lance Armstrong, and they talked about – I heard this, this story about how Lance Armstrong, um, you know, all, obviously it's pretty well known, all the stuff that happened with him, you know, a few years ago and kind of the unraveling of his uh, sports career anyway. Um, but it talked about how uh, Stuart Scott, you know, would take heat but continued to wear his, his Livestrong bracelet, and someone asked him why one time, and he he made – he said – I understand the problems that, you know, Lance Armstrong is going through and it was in that side of it. But he said the Livestrong Foundation and what that has meant to him in terms of his battle with cancer was so positive. He said that I owe it to the foundation to continue to wear. And I thought, you know, that kind of explains um, his mentality with this with this fight. Um, you know, he, he gave the famous speech last. I say famous. It, it's becoming famous today. It was, I saw it last summer, um, uh, but, you know, at the ESPYs when he received, you know, a Courage Award um, and, you know, just talked about how, um, and, you know, Joey's putting it up on the screen, you, you beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and in the manner in which you live. Um, basically talking about how, you know, if you die from the complications, you know, involving cancer, you you haven't lost, you know, because if you do those things, um kind of tying into Jimmy V's speech a little bit, cancer can't change you. You know, if you do those things, cancer can't win. Right, and he, he also linked it to, you know, Jimmy V's famous um, never give up speech from, I think, what, 21 years ago. I think it was yeah. the year, actually, that Stewart yeah. got started at ESPN. Yeah. Um, Jimmy V gave that, that speech, you know, the former college basketball coach that eventually succumbed to cancer himself um, about not ever giving up. Um, and Stuart Scott kind of elaborated on that, saying, even if you – even if the cancer ends up taking you, there are other people there to, to carry right. it on, right. continue the fight, you know, 
Um, and like you mentioned, he said his his favorite famous line from the ESPYs this year: "You beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and in the manner in which you live." Um, even after you're gone, that you're you're still fighting because right. of of the effect that your life had on others. Yeah, and when when we we talked about it a little bit before the show, like um, you know, I was watching some of the tributes and things like that, and you know, I'm I'm hold, trying to hold back tears, you know, this morning as I was watching, just not. I, obviously, I, I never met Stuart Scott. I, I didn't know him in any way. However, we were talking, you know, while while our views on, you know, how sports are covered has, you know, changed, one, as we've gotten older, and two, you know, through the different scenarios that we've, you know, been fans and just been aware of since then, you know, growing up, I, I distinctly remember, especially like in the summer, like, you know, watching Sports Center every morning, you know, because it's on all morning. <laughs> like, you know, watching Sports Center, and that's when he was really prominent on the show. And just, yeah, I kind of grew up watching him uh, on Sports Center. And obviously, you know, we do this podcast, you know, every week. And <laughs> yeah, sports are still a big part of our lives. Uh, yeah, kind of and a like, little bit. When I trace it back to the things where I started following, more than just like sitting and watching games, maybe with my dad, you know, but like following other things. Like I remember, you know, um, just some of the sayings, you know, that he kind of introduced, you know, and like, you know, obviously booyah and, and stuff like that. Well, I am. Just it, my favorite, I'll, I'll miss those. It's been, things. and obviously it's bigger than that, but like he, he meant a lot to sports and my following of sports when I was younger. And so that has kind of stayed with me as I've gotten He's, older. He was part of the ESPN revolution that happened in the early 90s. And, you know, it, it you know, you kind of see a direct result from our childhood, yeah. you know, when ESPN started gaining notoriety. I remember when we were younger where ESPN, like if you got ESPN, that was huge because it wasn't yeah. a standard. Like it didn't revolve. People's life didn't revolve around it. Yeah. You had to subscribe for it to get it. When, when games went on and you didn't have it, you were like, devastated but then as we were growing up it started becoming more and more ubiquitous with sports and broadcasting right, right. and Stuart Scott and Dan Patrick and as much as I hated Keith Olbermann you know those guys that I mean, Rich Eisen even at the time <laughs> well I didn't know not at the time because I right, didn't understand right, right. everything else about back. it but right. you know but those are the guys that we grew up with and Stuart Scott right. was a huge part of it right um and you know I I know you know me I've grown apart from his pan over the last three years um and then that includes all of the guys there. And I even said to my wife today while we were sitting at lunch and all the TVs had ESPN on and, and the Stuart Scott Memorial and, and then remembering him and all these people were talking. And I just said about the only one at ESPN I still was somewhat fond of was Scott Van Pelt. Right. Um, right. And he because he was on the screen talking about Stuart Scott. And it's not that I really ever associated Stuart Scott with the Penn State thing because I personally right. never it, heard him right, say anything. Right. It's not. Yeah, but I also know I didn't always agree with him. Right. But right. that's the point. These are opinions. This is not life or death. You know, just because I disagreed with him doesn't mean I didn't like him or respect him. Right. Um, so, so losing him as you know, we're very, very, very tiny part of the sports right. media out there. If you want to, whatever you want to call, you know. But it, it it's dating to lose someone like this, and right. you know, our hearts go out to his family and friends. I know right. he had two, two young yeah. daughters that were like his 19 world. and 15, so. yeah, and he made it very clear how they meant everything to him, and so, you know, that's obviously tough just trying to even comprehend uh, that, but, um, you know, our thoughts thoughts are with everyone in, involved there, uh, from his colleagues to, um, you know, his family, so best of wishes to them. Yes. Okay, so... Um, 
Unfortunately, we need to move on. No, fortunately, we need. Yeah, I guess fortunately, <laughs> yeah, like to, to get out of this um the low. Although it's still kind of a little bit low for us when we get to the NFL because neither of our teams are playing in meaningful action. That uh, that is true. Uh, that but is true. actually, before we dive into the NFL stuff, I think we should quick touch on um Penn State and the Pinstripe Bowl because that Heck happened yes. since Heck the yes. last time now, we're on. And then we can revise and be like, fortunately, moving on. We're gonna recap that Pinstripe Bowl. Um. You know, uh, it happened the Saturday after Christmas. I guess that was the, what, 27th, maybe? Something like that. December 27th, yeah. Yeah, and um, it just on a couple of different notes. One, the stadium was packed. That And it, what I liked was it wasn't information that was necessarily coming from directly from Penn State. It was information coming from the Yankees organization, right. which owns the stadium and therefore kind of put out this information about how quick it sold out and how it was the most successful pinstripe bowl they've had. And yeah, it's only 50,000 seats. Right, there right. was more people. Now, this wasn't put out by the Yankees, but there are more people to watch this game than at Derek Jeter's last home game. Right, right. <laughs> also, it's the highest attendance for a pinstripe bowl, second highest attendance for a football game there. However, the Yankees did clarify that there were more people at the Notre Dame regular season game because they used to put bleachers, like portable bleachers, into the bullpen. They no longer do that. I think that was part of the issue because if you remember when they first tried to do it there, uh, like the field wasn't quite big enough right. <laughs> to have. The, so um, they've changed some of those things, Ralph. I know. Um, I know that. Um, what was I going to say? Now I got t- touchdown nullified came up and I lost my train of thought. Heck yeah. Um, oh, we know that if there would have been more seats, Penn State would have bought them because everything was sold out. Penn State got like double, I think, their allotment because they kept oh, yeah. requesting them. People yeah. wanted them. You know, more Penn Staters would have gone if they could have gotten hold of People tickets. told me, like, you know, the media the media was saying it was probably, like, at least three to one. People who in attendance probably said probably 80-20%, you know, like, um, that it was it was very kind of clear um, that it was like a Penn State home game, but, you know, 60,000 people less. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I, I know the uh, amount of Boston College fans in attendance was few and far between, but probably in the end a good thing as they were on the losing end um you know it, it was an interesting game uh, for much of the time we saw glimpses <laughs> of the Penn State team we wanted all year and glimpses of the Penn State team we got all year fortunately the team that we wanted all year showed up near the end of the game um really I think entering the was at the beginning of the fourth quarter Penn State was down 21 to 7 yeah and they fought or, their way back the, I think it was just at the start of the fourth I think right 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 uh, very one, beginning right. um Penn State fought their way back I believe they tied it at 21 but Boston Cousin drove down the yeah. field kicked a field goal but with about two and a half minutes to go Penn State was able to drive down the field get Sam Ficken into field goal range he kicked the game time field goal with I think 20 seconds to play Went into overtime. Um, the teams traded touchdowns, but when Boston College scored, they had the first possession. Their kicker missed the extra point. And this was not a rare thing. They had, I think, three different kickers on their roster, and they missed a total of eight extra points this year. So it's something that had been an issue over and over again. And while I feel bad for some of the other guys, you know, anyone, when you lose that way, you're like, oh, man, that stinks. I wouldn't switch with them because, one, Penn State won because right. of it. And two, We've when, it happened, when it happened eight times, like, fix it. Like, fix that issue. Like, that, you know. you got to find someone that can kick right. an extra point. Right. Like, if you made, like, 35 of 35 extra points this year and missed on the last one, oh, man, that's a tough that's break. That's bad luck. When bad you miss eight, like, it's a crapshoot. Like, right. <laughs> 
fix that issue. Or go for two. <laughs> so, so Penn State <coughs> ended up scoring on – and it, the drive was in peril, too. I think they converted a long fourth down. I think it was – was it Jesse James caught the ball like a like two- or three-yard out pass and then steamrolled the guy to get a first down? It might not have been fourth down. It might have been third down, but it was third and long. He continued the drive, and then a couple of plays later, Christian Hackenberg was able to hit Kyle Carter in the end zone for the touchdown. Sam Ficken came on, kicks the extra point. Everyone freaks out. He runs around the field. Storybook ending. He got a tweet from Derek Jeter's company. Um, they say it was from him. That works. Ficken used his locker in Yankee Stadium, captain to captain. But what a career ending for Sam Ficken. Yeah, yeah. And you talk about he, he kind of personifies um, that, that senior class in really a storybook way. Um, when you when you look at all the things, like, you know, when he started, when he was there, he went through all, all the, the crap, basically. And then he sticks around, and, uh, you know, they, they get that second game at, at Virginia that following year, and it looks like, you know, they might have a chance to win, and he is terrible, has has <laughs> the worst game a kicker could really have. And, and then, so, you know, it, it's really kind of tough, and and then, you know, he sticks it out and becomes one of the best kickers in college football. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then hits a game tying field goal to send it into overtime. A long one too. Was it right. forty seven? Yeah. Forty seven yeah. yards? Forty eight yards? And then you know gets the kick, the extra point, literally a walk off extra point after Derek Jeter using his locker had hit a had a walk off hit in his, his last home game. Right. Like it, it's just really storybook and you're really happy for him and he says he wants to kick a football for a living now as long as if he was ever given the chance he would love to do that um you know but if not you know he's going to graduate and try and work on wall street so right he um just he's made the most of his four years at penn state back to september 2012 game two of the bill o'brien era they lost the first week to ohio uh in a game that looked like at the time like, oh, God, here we go. This is right. what everyone wanted. This is what happens when you you, right. know, you strike down a football program. Right. You go with a coach that no one was interested in. You lose right. to Ohio. Now, Ohio went on to be a very good team that right. year. And and Penn State outplayed them the first half, but the second half they unraveled. The next week you go down to, to Virginia, should have won that game. One of the main reasons you didn't win that game was this kicker named Sam Ficken that you couldn't believe that he missed. Did he miss an extra point that day, too? I think he missed an extra point and four and field goals. And four field goals. Yeah. Four. That's 13 points because of a foot. Right. Now, I know, obviously, drive stalling plays into a part, but when you're thinking at that time, miss kick after miss kick after miss kick, he rebounded the rest of the year, wasn't too bad, got better last year, and then this year he kept it going. I mean, the last two seasons he's done very, very well in blue and white, and I hope he gets an opportunity. I doubt he'll be drafted. But he'll probably get a priority right, undrafted right. free agent opportunity. And you know the way some of the kickers in the NFL go, he could have an opportunity. I believe Robbie Gould was an undrafted, and right. look at how many years yeah. he's been in Chicago if, now. If, if you get into, if you can make it into a camp and get to kick some during the preseason, if you make your kicks, you're gonna you're gonna be, you're gonna stick around a while or get calls from other teams right. who, who don't have a guy who can make field goals like. Because when you start missing makeable field goals in the NFL, you're gone. Um, so, yeah. You know, well, I mean, just look if at the he Eagles. can make them, he'll be okay. You know, yeah. the Eagles this year, you, going in, you thought you had a kicker. He struggles. Then the rookie unseats him. Right. Played well for most of the year until right. near the oh. end. Yeah. Yeah. But, exactly. But you know, it, it can happen with, with any team, and I'll, you know, I'd say probably 
at least a third of teams are always looking to improve their kicking. Oh, yeah. Every year, a third of teams. So, you know, like, but like you said, finish with a degree, go on Wall Street, probably eventually get probably an MBA or so something. So make the most <laughs> out of those, you know, whatever money he can get out of the league. You know, make the most out of it, and then who knows, you know, probably become an agent or something crazy like something that. Something crazy like that, yeah. So, okay. Um, so congratulations to Penn State. Coach Franklin um, got their seventh win of the season, clinched a tenth consecutive winning season for the program, um, which teams such as Ohio State, Michigan. Alabama, Michigan, Florida cannot say they've done. These last 10 years, Penn State has had a winning season every year. Those other teams cannot say that. One of the things, and it, I understand, like, there are instances where it would drive me crazy, but I love when, when like, Penn State does that, and then you get the, uh, you know, people going back and, like, retweeting really old tweets from, like, July of 2011, you right. know, from certain people just saying, like, this will be the end of Penn State football. Like, Saturday will just be another day for Penn State fans. Nope. Wrong. Yeah. So, uh, you know, good luck with that. So, um, already looking forward to 2015 and what Penn State football will have in store. I know I saw Phil Steele had listed how many returning starters they had. Penn State was ranked 23rd, tied for 23rd in the nation. Um, but I, I couldn't really understand his tweet um, if he had already included juniors that may jump or if he was excluding juniors that may jump. Because mm. um, I thought Penn State had more returning than he had him listed as 14 out of 22. Um, I thought it was more. Now, I know we lost, we're lost. we losing Donovan Smith and Deion Barnes, both of which, when we were talking, that we thought they had like 18 stars coming back. I was counting both of them to come in, but they have graduated. So you clearly can't fault them right. for wanting to jump um, to the NFL. Donovan Smith, the left tackle, Deion Barnes, the defensive end. And on the defensive side, losing Barnes won't hurt as much because there's a lot of talent along that defensive line that's there now developing this year and coming in as recruits this coming cycle and the next cycle, including a five-star guy that was just tearing up at the Under Armour All-American game. So, um, but losing Donovan Smith, while he never elevated himself to, you know, a a can't-miss first-round NFL draft prospect, like we had come to expect out of guys in the past like Kareem McKenzie and Levi Brown, Donovan Smith was very good and probably the best blocker over the last few years and next his, to um, John Urschel. Right, and, and overall, he probably, he probably got hurt some this year by the overall appearance. So, in perspective, now, by the overall, like, not working, you know, the offensive line struggles this year probably hurt him overall in perception. However, that will get sorted out over oh, yeah, the next yeah. few months. He's got a lot of you know, time where to prove Individual it. work, and, and so – you know, like we talked about it. He, he got his degree. He's, he's able to go. You know, best of luck to him. Yeah, so now, now I'm like, man, I really wish we didn't race Miles Diefenbach. I wish he, we would have redshirted him and had him coming back. Um, but we did get a, 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 I think it was a four-star Juco coming in that yep. we were hoping to maybe play at right tackle or even guard. He'll probably now have to compete and might start at left tackle. Uh, he was high, highly rated originally from Pennsylvania. Uh, I think he was playing at Lackawanna. Yeah, he was. Um, so we'll see um, what it was. I think his name was Paris. Yeah. I can't remember his last name, though. But anyways, um, hopefully a year in the system. I think for some Palmer. Of the, Paris Palmer. Yeah, I, I think, think you're so. right. Um, hopefully a year in the system, um, knowing the offense, if none of that changes, Coach Herb Hand, the offensive line, hopefully some of these younger guys are developing another year. Another offseason gets stronger. Hopefully things come together. Hackenberg's back. You lose both running backs, but Akil Lynch got a ton of carries. He's ready to go. Yeah. Wide receivers, 
oh, like the cupboard is certainly not bare in terms of wide receivers and tight ends. Now, one of the things that's come up over the last few days is is Bob Shoup going to be around next year? That's unfortunate. Year. Yeah, the defense coordinator Bob Shoup had a great year. Um, defense wore down a little maybe towards the end of the year, especially we saw it in the bowl game. Right. But he's being coveted by programs like LSU. Right. Um, will, will he leave? I heard. I heard some of it could come down to is Penn State going to ante up and, and pay their assistance. I, they did I don't it for know. O'Brien after the first year. Right. I, we'll, we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait and see. So. Yeah, does it come down to money or opportunity? I know a lot of people, and this is an argument you can have, especially after the SEC bowl season, is LSU a better job than Penn State? Now, not comparing D.C. to head coach, because obviously you'd be going to work with Les Miles. Right. But, like, that's all subjective. I don't know right. if you could quantify that. Sure, LSU plays in the SEC and let's, all that. Let's but be so, honest. Like, in my opinion, if let's look at it this way. Well, I I don't know. It's kind of tough, and I don't want to get into that SEC Big Ten kind of – I don't want to get into that talk right now. Um, but w- when you look at some of the things that that occur, where would he have a – if he's looking to be a head coach eventually, which, you know, if that's what he wants, you know, good for him, go ahead. Where is he going to have the better chance to kind of step into it? I think he's not hurt by being in the Big Ten and having a great defense. You know, if he was in, like, maybe, like – yeah, you know, like the Mac or something like that, and he had a chance to step up a level into one of the Power Five. Okay, but like, you know, if if he were to lead one of the top, you know, twenty defenses next year at Penn State, well, I think he's going to have the same opportunities that he would have if he goes yeah. to LSU and leads the top. That's why defense to me, and obviously I'm biased. I want him to stay because where where is going to be going to be another defensive corner step up than being at Penn State, especially because you have the added, well, they were only using 45 scholarships, right, you know? Right, right. What happens and when he can talk, you know? Like, I feel like he can talk about that. Like, I feel almost like that's an added bonus. Now, he could be like, no, I don't want to have to work with half the scholarship guys that every yeah, other exactly. defensive coordinator could go either I way. I go to LSU where we're going to we're gonna sign 35 guys and then, you know, gray shirt. Majority and, of them four stars. Right, right. You know, so I don't blame him if he leaves because it would also be a raise, most likely. So he'd get a raise, go into the SEC. You know, he's he was at the SEC up until this year. Um, yeah, it was, it was so, Franklin and Vanderbilt. Right. I think the one thing working in Penn State's advantage is that these guys seem to be really close as a staff. Right. And I know they'd all be thrilled if one of them left for a bigger, better position, but is this a bigger, better position? It kind of comes all back to that. And we'll right. see what happens. We'll probably find out in the next two weeks. Yeah, so hopefully he can stay because it seems like they have a lot building there, uh, you know, in terms of that chemistry and that defense. So uh, hopefully they can continue to put the pieces together and, and move forward and kind of hit the ground running, uh, you know, when, when springtime comes – well, with recruiting and then when springtime comes around uh, for those practices. All right, to the NFL now. Um, let's start – we'll go in order of the game. So yesterday the 11-5 and Arizona Cardinals traveled to – Carolina to play the Panthers, the seven, eight, and one Panthers, the fourth seeded Panthers because they won their division. I know you and I like to have this conversation, and I know you like it the way that it is. A lot of and people I may be wavering a little bit. Are but. always screaming that is that really fair? Is a team that had a better record, a better season in terms of win and losses? Why should they have to travel to a team that for you know most of the season struggled? They didn't win as many as they lost. Right, and you know I I kind of I'm like okay, but. Then, then let's look at it going in. If we were to look at it at week 17, let's say we looked at it 
kind of like the college football playoff. And I, I know it's not. I know I know it goes by the wins and losses. Which team was better in Week 17? Yeah, no, and I know, right? And, and, and so that's like, exactly the opposite and, side of the. And court. in reality, Arizona had like three weeks where they could have like locked up the NFC West, and they lost like they. What they were like nine and one or something like that. I, I don't know. They 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 were really good. They're the best team in the NFC, and then they end up on their third and fourth respectively quarterbacks, and that's what happens. Like yes, they have a great record, but they aren't. Yeah. They, they weren't the sixth best team in the NFC. I think that this this is a bad example for that argument oh, because the Cardinals obviously weren't as good as the seven eight one right. Panthers. Right. If the Cardinals are healthy and it's Carson Palmer, maybe you have a bit more of a debate. Right, but, but they they probably win the division at that rate. You're, and then you probably have like Seattle right. coming down, and they yeah. probably win. Right, you know, like so. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's one of those things. Is that fair? I don't like it, but honestly, I would rather them get rid of divisions and play sixteen in You're each crazy. conference. You're crazy. I know. We get rid of you know every we we like these rivalries. I, I love rivalries. I you know, but it's one of those things. I want to see the best sixteen teams I, in the I playoffs. There's a chance that at the end of the year the Cardinals weren't one of the best sixteen. Oh, though. no way! So you could argue that if you went to top twelve, they might not be in the top twelve. They they scored like what one or two offensive touchdowns. They like, didn't even have eighty yards of offense no, yesterday. No, they, they have offensively the worst offensive game in the history of ever, the playoffs, of ever. Super Bowl era. Right, right. So now again, that is skewed. They were still eleven and five, but if they win their division, they would have gotten it at home. Like, they would have had a buy. And they, they, and they, had, a they had a huge lead on their division, and they it slipped away because they couldn't score any points. Yeah, I feel bad for Larry Fitzgerald. Um, he's gone. I feel worse, but they they were in the they made it to a Super Bowl. They had their shot. It's not like he's that guy. He's not like Tony Gonzalez, where you're like, oh man, I hope he ever you know gets a shot. And then he went it to Atlanta. And I right. didn't want he, to get he wanted shot. he wanted an NFC title, uh, but he'll move on to somewhere he could be the second or third option now. Right. He's obviously he doesn't have the speed, but he never really has. A couple the speed. people already were like, "Do you think the Eagles will get him?" I would love for the Eagles to get him. One, perfect. he's going to be too expensive, but he's not what they need. They need a fast guy. Now, if Macklin leaves, if Macklin goes somewhere else, and you need that guy, like who can go up, like I'd love to have him. But the problem is the guy he. If we look at last year's Eagles receivers, Deshaun, Riley, and let's throw Macklin in for this year, even though I know he was hurt last year. Oh, he's so much better than Riley Cooper. Oh, my God. And, but that's the spot that he would play. Well, yeah. like, that's his spot. Get rid of Riley Cooper. Yeah, but they locked him up for now, like a Why did but, they do but that? But here's the thing. If, if you let Macklin leave and you – I don't know. You, you, they well, could make if it you, work. If you let Macklin leave and you would cut Cooper, I don't know what salary cap-wise that would do to you. Then you're rolling with Jordan Matthews and um, what's the guy? I like guy Jordan that, Matthews, but he needs other guys. What's the guy that you hate on the kick returns? Oh, Huff, Josh, Josh Huff. Huff. So you'd be rolling with Matthews, Huff, and you'd sign Larry Fitzgerald. I don't think that's enough. You'd have to have another guy. So you know who's Mariota going to throw to? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You're going to mortgage the next five years. Hey, Let's not get into Eagles talk. We got to focus on on teams that are actually, teams that are actually play playing in January. That hurts. Thanks. Yeah. Well, mine isn't either. Okay. Now, last night's game. Um, I guess yesterday was. It wasn't an upset because there's a higher seed. Looking at record, it was an upset. But the way they were playing, it wasn't an upset. So I think the better team won. Yeah. No. <laughs> absolutely. The better team won. And I, I'm interested to see them go to depending on what happens in the game that's going on right now, them go to Seattle, possibly. Yeah. I, I don't know if they have enough. 
right um, to stop the Seahawks. You know, but Carolina came into their own last year when they held, they played Seattle tough. Now it was at home, right? Um, but that kind of was like a sign that Carolina was starting to build something. And while they were back and forth and inconsistent this year, maybe they're starting to hit their stride, like we saw the Giants do two times. Yeah, you never know. Not saying that they're gonna. I mean, I just think when when I watched them try and pass, like. They couldn't pass the ball against the Cardinals. Now, I know the Cardinals' defense is not the issue. Seahawks' defense is better. Seahawks' defense is even better. And there's no way they'll be able to move. Like, I just don't see how they can move the ball. Because the yeah. rushing defense is a lot better. And, like, Cam Newton was taking a beating. And, like, people were like, oh, he needs to preserve. No, I I am all for, like, when he dove and leveled a guy for a first down. Like, no, it's the playoffs. It's not live for next week at this point. You yeah. know, like. Oh, yeah. You, you need that you first down. To, yeah, it's right. like, what, what are you going to save? Right. It's win, exactly. I need, it's winning in or losing, go right. home. I need to be healthy in case we don't make it and I have to go to the Pro Bowl. Exactly. Like, no, he's not going to the Pro Bowl anyway. All right. The um, late night game, the primetime game, the probably the most hyped game of the weekend was in, you know, an interdivision rivalry, arguably one of the best rivalries in the NFL. One of my favorite rivalries in the NFL. And it was Baltimore-Pittsburgh. The Ravens had been, I believe, 0-4 against the Steelers in the playoffs. I think all were in Pittsburgh. Right, right, they hadn't won. I don't know that they'd all been, but I know they hadn't won a playoff game in Pittsburgh. Otherwise, the Ravens (coughs) were pretty good in the playoffs. Couldn't get over the Steelers' hump in the postseason. We've seen them derail Pittsburgh in their regular season multiple times, but they just couldn't get by them in the postseason when really it mattered. Not the case last night. The Steelers could not do anything offensively for most of the game. Early in the game, they got into the red zone twice, and both times had to settle for field goals. And when you're watching playoff games, and it happened to the Cardinals too, I believe. Or, no, it happened to Ohio State. And at the same time, I was like, it's hard to believe when you get to this point that that's not going to come back and hurt you. Right. That you have to settle for field goals. Yep. Um, and Ohio State the, did not. But – it, it did hurt the Steelers because I think that set the tone early on because that first, they dominated the first quarter. They had two long possessions where they kind of yep. methodically just moved right down into the red they zone. They had almost nine minutes of possession to Baltimore's like six or whatever right. it was. I mean, and, it might have been more than It might have been like 12 to three yeah, or something yeah. like that. And it was just like they just moved it right down the field and they were up six nothing. And then Baltimore goes down and scores seven six. Yep, they're immediately. You know, moving. like you dominated the game and you're down by and, one. Cannot no. fail in the red zone. No. But I think the bigger story was this is the type of Ravens team, as a team, as a guy who hates the Ravens. I'm pulling for him. I got my Ray Lewis. As a guy who hates the, oh, gosh. As a guy who hates the Ravens, this is not what I want to see. Trump because bugs. you have um, Flacco, who becomes Superman in the playoffs all of a sudden. You know, apparently the best quarterback in the history of the game. Oh, my Lord. But the Ravens' defense is more of the problem for, for people like me that don't like him because Dean Pease – Developed an incredible game plan yesterday against the Steelers and yeah. Roethlisberger. They had no idea what was coming. No, it was one of those. We're just going to throw whatever we can. And Terrell Suggs played out of his mind, and he does against Steelers. Like they talked about how the teams don't throw, like statistically, they don't run the screen against Terrell Suggs because he's just like insane at picking out, especially against the Steelers. They almost like, did it. They said, they said we don't know if he has, like, if he's picked up on a cue. Like they don't know. That's one of those things. It's kind of like when a pitcher is tipping his pitches. Mm-hmm. When you get, you know, when you get that figured out, you can kind of go back and, and sort through those things. Pittsburgh feels like we're tipping it because he knows every time, but they're like, we don't know how we're tipping it. Like, so, um, 
that interception he had with his legs was pretty cool. Yeah, it was interesting. It <laughs> but, sealed the game. Yeah, but, but you, you just look at that game. I don't. I don't know. I I felt I felt like the Ravens were going to win going into it. It was kind of going out on a limb because the way the Ravens have been playing versus the way the Steelers have been playing, you kind of would have felt the opposite. Right. I heard a lot of people saying, "Oh, if Le'Veon, uh, if Le'Veon Bell's in the game, it's uh, it's a different game." Yeah, absolutely, probably. It's a different yeah, game. but he's not in the game. Right, you got to play with what you know the how bad you I got. feel for the Steelers. Probably not, not at, at all. all. A couple reasons: one, they're the Steelers. They have six two, Super Bowls. Two, you know how they got that like that fifth Super Bowl? Well, they were playing a red hot Cincinnati team in Cincinnati, and they hit Carson Palmer below the knee, knock him out of the game on like the first drive, and they go on to squeak by Cincinnati, but then win, uh, you know, end up winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was in Detroit, though. Did you really want to be in Detroit? No, but I'm <laughs> just saying, listen, is it unfortunate? Yes. I do not feel bad for them at all. Well, like, no, I mean, no, I don't think anyone's going to feel well, bad that's a lot for because Steelers, it's the Steelers fans. Right. But I think at the beginning of the year, if you said to, to, to at least me and maybe you know, Steelers fans, I think, entering the season, I don't know how high their expectations were. And at some point during the season, they were probably really low. But if you say they're going to make the playoffs, I think they would have taken it. Right. You know, they're going to make the playoffs but not win the Super Bowl or not right. even make the conference championship. I think most Steelers fans would be okay. Well, here, I think we're going to have this whole, like, Mike Tomlin was, like, under fire at the beginning of the season. Like, they, you, I honestly was starting to think maybe he's not going to survive. He's not going to get fired. One. No way. Well, then... Then he, like, the middle of the season, like, they, they won the division. Right. They won the division. And then they lose to the rivals. And I, I, he's not going to be fired. No way. No. But you know there's going to be other franchise. He might a be. distinct possibility. Right. But because the Roonies just don't do that. Right. He, he, and, and this was a better year than the last two seasons. Why would you fire him now? Rooney, you might, I don't know if you read or not, went into the Ravens locker room and congratulated them. After, you know, like, after, like, congratulated them on a great win and stuff like that. Like, it, Things like this that makes it hard to hate them. Oh, you got you know you separate the organization and maybe uh, the players from the, the fans at times. If, but that's true for everyone. The Roonies are, in my opinion, my opinion, the best owners in in football. I know you can make a you can make a claim um, for for New England and, and some of those other places. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying they're the most successful, even though you could make that argument as well. Um, just in terms of the longevity and just what they've done and the way they run it, it's just. It's first class all the way, and um, that's not my source of you know uh, dislike for for the Steelers. Um, Pure unadulterated hatred. But there there were moments the the way the Ravens defense was playing last night. There were moments where you're just like, this is the Ravens defense that right. they have every year. How how do they have? They have 18 guys on IR. 18. They not have not a whole bunch defensive of guys. No names on defense on outside of their linebackers. The way Forsett, the way Forsett played, and I don't want to turn this into a discussion about Ray Rice, but the way Forsett has played this year, not just this game, averaging over five yards of carry and stuff like that. The way Fire Rice had been last back. year, the way Rice had been playing last year, and even kind of mostly the year before that, was the running back situation better off at the end of the year with Forsett than it would have been with Rice? That's an impossible question to answer, yeah. but like, are they better off? I think they might be. I think um, the the Ravens thing, though, now immediately turned to this is a terrible matchup for New England. And the way that, you know, now he, Dean Pease is a former Patriots, one of Belichick's assistants. So you have that dynamic there. The Ravens seem to have the Patriots number. I remember a few years back, I think it was 
I want to say 09 because it was 08. They were 11 and five, but missed the playoffs. That was the year Brady got injured and Castle took over. I think it was 09 when Brady was back and healthy, and the Patriots were rolling. They, you know, they won the division again and, and looked like the team to beat. And the Ravens went to New England and absolutely <coughs> punched them in the mouth. Yeah, and, that and was destroyed in the divisional round. I yeah, believe. yeah, I believe you're right. Um, yeah, because. Ravens, I think, had won the week before. Yeah, went, yeah. won the right to go and to New just, England and just you know, like embarrassed. Like, them. Yeah, embarrassed them. Like it was bad. I think because, it was the worst playoff loss show, Brady's ever had. They show all these these stats about Brady hasn't lost to an or to an AFC team in Gillette Stadium like ever or something like that. But those are all regular playoff. season stats. Yeah, they just lost to Buffalo, so I guess that's over. Yeah, good. Yes, <laughs> but anyways, I, I don't. I'm not buying into it because this is one of those setups where it's like. Oh, yeah. Now everyone's on Baltimore right, Bandwagon. Right, everyone's right. on the Rams. And the Patriots are going to come out and take care of business, and that's going to be the end of Baltimore. And this is coming from me. This is a game I hate because I don't like either team. I don't want to see the Patriots or the Ravens in the AFC oh, you, Championship. You secretly want the Ravens. I do yeah. not. The only the only silver lining to the Ravens is John Urschel, who oh, is yeah. an absolutely incredible, incredible person. One the smartest football player that you'll probably ever have the chance to meet is now a starter for the Ravens offensive line. It had, um, it had a good game last. Yeah, I, you know, I, so I'm very I'm happy for him, but that would be the only silver lining. I think for, I think for me. When, when you get to it, yeah, I think the whole Ravens have the Patriots playoff number thing is it's going to be overblown. It is overblown, and I, the last thing you need to do as a team going in is have the Patriots like feel disrespected. Right, feel like when, they're the underdog. Even, even when they're not, that's just they rally around that stuff and, and go to it. Right. I think you know we'll have to wait and see how it plays out, but um, the, I'm excited to see that game. Like that, that's the matchup I want to see, and that also left us with the other matchup that we're going to see right this morning, not this morning, but earlier today. Indianapolis defeated Cincinnati. And so Indianapolis is going to go to You Denver. want storylines? You got storylines. Did you know Peyton Manning played for the Colts? I, I think I heard that. Somewhere. Yeah. Apparently he played for the Colts, and now he's going to play them next round. Because um, Andrew Luck and the Colts um, beat up on a hapless Cincinnati Bengals team. All the questions now surround Marvin Lewis. He'll be back for what I think would be a 14th season in Cincinnati. I think he's been there since like 02 or 03. Um, I, Andy I was, Dalton, is he the answer at quarterback for them? How- little like they went out with a whimper today like they played like they had for the second half of the season where they have a really good week followed by a really terrible week injuries also got to them yeah especially not having aj green but i expected more from the defense against they, andrew luck who looked that team looked awful against dallas right, right they started out and they pounded the ball um they just pounded it in like right down their throats and, and got a touchdown and then they're like, oh, well, you know, they, they're stuffing around. Yeah, but when you're down your best receiver and your best tight end, like, don't just voluntarily go away from the run. Like, all the stuff that they did right in the first half, and really the first quarter, to kind of just keep it a game, they went away from. Right. And they did it on their own. They weren't even forced out of it. And then because of that, they forced themselves really out of it because then that played right into the Colts' hands. Next thing you know, it's a two-possession game, and they have to pass as the clock's winding down, and then it's just a disaster. And they're just – I mean – I don't – in for the NFL, I don't think there's any shortage of storylines now in the AFC because you have Baltimore and New England, which we already touched on. You have Indianapolis to Denver, which is – you know, we're talking about right now with Peyton Manning and the Colts and all that history. Now, if you have New England win and Denver win, that's – Right. C- congratulations. Right. You have, you know, money falling out of your pockets. 
you have Manning against Brady, great. If you have the Ravens upset the Patriots and the Broncos still win, now you have Baltimore going to Denver where two years ago Joe Flacco's heroics right. sent Denver home and Baltimore went on to win the Super Bowl. So you have that rematch. Right. You know, Even if Indianapolis would beat Denver, now you have luck against Brady or luck against Flacco. I mean, Indianapolis Ravens is probably – in terms of storylines, man, but it's oh, Indianapolis, oh, Baltimore, and, and that's still, a like, huge, right. that, like, that's within a those areas, school. right, within those areas, it's going to be a big time, you know, story. That's definitely the matchup the NFL doesn't want, though, as a whole, just in terms of nationwide ratings. But all four so. of those matchups would be huge ratings. Right. They and can be huger. <laughs> they, they feel better about those ratings than they do about some of the potential matchups in the NFC, I'll tell you that. Much. Right. Some I, of them. Some of them will be huge. However, if Dallas can come back... Right. That ad doesn't matter like really much. The ball back in Although next week, Dallas Green Bay will be astronomical, <coughs> and that's in the divisional round. Right. So um, it'll be interesting to see how things happen. Carolina, not going to draw in too much at all. Seattle, because of their recent history, will help. Um, what really would have been great for the NFL is Dallas Green Bay in the conference championship, yeah. not in the divisional round. Um, but I-